start something. But it really takes faithfulness to stay with it and finish their course with joy. Amen. So they're on their way to finishing their course with joy, and they're going to take as many people with them as possible. And so uh, I heard one pastor say this one time, and I'll never forget it. It made an impact on my life. Um, We were ministering, and and, uh, he gave an altar call in his service, and the people who answered the altar call, he said to them, he says, I would like to be your pastor if you'll give me the opportunity. He said, if you'll give me one year of your life, if you'll just give me one year of your life, I guarantee things will change and God will have a way into your life. Amen. And I know that your pastors feel the same way, you know, because if you give them one year, you're going to want to keep giving them more. Amen. Because it's not really, you're not giving it to them. You're giving them the opportunity to be your pastor. Jesus was moved with compassion. The Bible says because he saw the sheep scattered without having a shepherd. You can consider that Jesus was the greatest evangelist, the greatest apostle, the greatest prophet. And he was there for the people. But he said, what they really need is somebody to stay with them. They need a pastor. That was his number one thing that he saw people. He said, I just want to, I want somebody with them all the time. And so what a, what a tremendous calling it is to be a pastor. And to lay down their life for the sheep. And I know they have. And so it's an honor for us to be around folks with longevity in ministry. Because it just speaks volumes of faithfulness. And you know that the future is awesome. Hallelujah. Amen. We just, we feel like we finally got to a place where we're useful right now. And uh, we can really make a difference in the world. So uh, I I know that's probably how they feel as well. So praise the Lord. Uh, It's just an honor to be here at Heart of the Bay. Praise God. We have some things out in the foyer. We have a table set up with our ministry materials. We call it our impartation table. Uh, We believe that there are impartations from the Holy Ghost on that table. CDs, preaching and teaching, music. We've got some DVDs. And uh, how many of you like technology when it works? (laughs) Don't you like it when it works? (laughs) Um, we have some, also have some flash drives out there, thumb drives, flash drives, jump drives, whatever you call them here. Um, we've got two gig flash drives out there that have all of our audio teaching already, uh, ripped to MP3. If you don't know how to use that, you can ask your grandkids (laughs) and they can help you. And, uh, we've also got one that's got all five of our music CDs on it as well, but I'm just going to highlight a few of the single messages we have on the table. This is a, just a single message on CD called all in. All in, you know, it's a gambling term, of course. So don't anybody get mad at me. I got poker chips on the front of this. Is that all right? But I like it because being all in means you believe your hand beats every other hand. And if you believe what you've got beats everything else, you just put it all on the table. You don't hold anything back. I believe what we've got beats everything the world's got, everything the devil's got. Amen. I'm all in with God. I'm not leaving anything back. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll just preach the book table this morning. How's that? This is also a single message on CD called Mind Games. Mind Games. How many of you know the Bible tells us there there are a lot of things the Bible tells us to do with our amen, that we're supposed to wash them with the water of the word. He tells us what to think about. I tell you, I'm so glad that God told us what what we ought to be thinking about. Because our minds want to do all kinds of thinking on their own. Amen. And uh, I I like to say it this way. If you watch the news more than one time a week, you need this. (laughs) 
Amen. Enough said. Also another single message on CD. This is by Kevin called Holy Ghost Power. Everybody say Holy Ghost Power. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is the one here on the earth. Amen. The Godhead, part of the Godhead who is here on the earth with us. I've often said it this way. You don't have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues to go to heaven. But if you plan on staying here on the earth for very long, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen. Because he's here for us here on the earth. That's why he was sent here. Amen. So you don't have to speak with tongues to go to heaven. But if you plan on staying here, you really need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've also got music there on the table. I see the world in worship. And then Kevin has a CD uh, titled Awesome God that we hope you'll uh, pick those up as well. All right. Hallelujah. Did you bring your Bibles with you this morning? Hallelujah. I'd invite you to open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I love the word, don't you? Has it changed your life? Is it changing your life? Amen. Uh, I remember when I first found out that the Bible was actually um, alive, (laughs) that it meant something. I was a, a teenager. I just graduated high school. My dad was a pastor, but we didn't know the word like we know it now. And I began traveling with a music group that we went all over the country. We did 350 concerts a year. So we were busy and uh, we were young. <laughs> um, but that's where I met Kevin. And uh, But I had met uh, another young man before Kevin came to travel. There was another trumpet player that I used to sit with on the bus and he started giving me Brother Hagen's books to read. And I started reading those books. And all of a sudden, it was like I'd been saved since I was nine years old, been filled with the Holy Ghost since I was nine years old. Here I am, 18, 19 years old, and I'm suddenly realizing I like this book. <sighs> I didn't know I could like this book. And uh, Brother Hagen's books made the word come alive to me. It all of a sudden made everything make sense. And I started finding scriptures and wanting to underline them and paint them yellow and circle things. And, you know, and it just made everything open up to me. And so the word is life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. I hope you have that kind of relationship with your Bible. I hope that your Bible isn't something that sits in your car until next Sunday. I hope that your Bible isn't just something that you bring because we're going to look at it together. I hope that your Bible isn't something that you feel like belongs to one day in your week, but that it's part of your life. It can be, it can be an ever present help in our time of trouble. Amen. Our answers are in this book. Praise God, because these are the words of God to us. This is God speaking to us. Amen. This isn't just a book we quote and and a thing we lecture out of. These are the very words of God with his answers for our life. This is, this may be an ancient book, but it's not old. (laughs) Amen. God's the ancient of days, but he's not old. 
He is the one who was and is and is to come. He said, as a matter of fact, my name is I am. Not I was. He is I am. Praise God. And he wants to be I am in your life. But we've got to open that. We've got to open that part up to him. Amen. I'm amazed at how many Christians are um, Sunday only. We kind of give God a day. And it amazes me that um, over the course of time, I, I can say some things now that I couldn't say 20 years ago because now I've experienced it myself in ministry. But we see so many times people who, who come to church out of tradition or obligation or, you know, because they were dragged or, you know, whatever. The people who come to church, even though they like it, they come one time a week and, you know, everything. How many of you know everything sounds great on Sunday? <laughs> amen. I mean, Pastor Mark and Pastor Brenda, they can bring you a word and you can amen it. And you can like, wow, that was awesome. And everything sounds normal on Sunday. Amen. Matter of fact, I've been camping out lately in, in uh, Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter, where Jesus said, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know, and all these things will be added unto you. But before he said that, he said this wild statement. Are you ready for it? He said, take no thought for your life. And you're all going, amen. It's because you're here on Sunday. I'm telling you, you amen because it's Sunday. That sounds fine on Sunday. It makes sense on Sunday. Take no thought for your life. That's right. Oh, that's right. What are you doing Monday? Hello. <laughs> what are we doing on Monday? What are we doing on Tuesday? Why do you go to work? Anyway. Say all that to say, we, we come to church and we get all excited and we get happy because it sounds right on Sunday. But it doesn't need to just be a Sunday thing. The whole purpose for Sunday is to get it into our life. Amen. Praise God so that we use it on Monday, use it on Tuesday, use it, stand like we were singing that song, standing on the promises, not just singing about the promises. Amen. We're not just shouting about the promises. We're standing on them. Amen. Hallelujah. Whew. Have you found Ephesians chapter three? Glory to God. Look here at a very familiar verse, probably to most of us. Uh, verse 20, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. You like it so far? It's Sunday. You know, next time you read some of these verses, you're going to go, I can do this on Monday too. Really? See, the reason we shout is because it's Sunday. It sounds awesome on Sunday. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. Oh, yes. Woohoo! Yes. 
Well, how do you approach him tomorrow? I was listening to a message of Brother Hagin's not long ago, and he was telling, relating the story of, of this man in, in uh, the services that he was in. This man would always, you know, they would sometimes sing songs of praise and worship and different ones, and sometimes they'd say, who's got a favorite song, you know, and so they'd sing these old hymns. And this, uh, this man always wanted this one song, got any mountains you can't, you know, get over, got any uh, that are uncrossable. Thank you. Pastor Brendan knows every hymn. Got any rivers you can't got any rivers you can't cross got any mountains you can't tunnel through God specializes in things thought impossible he can do what no other can do and so this man would always go oh let's do that one got any rivers you think are uncrossable got any mountains you know and every time he'd always want that song and he'd shout and he'd get all happy and on their way home from church one day on their way home from church he and his wife were in the car with the kids and his wife said, Johnny needs a new pair of shoes. And he says, what do you think I'm made of money? What are you, I can't buy him any more shoes. <laughs> and brother Hagen said, yeah, he was shouting about the mountains and tripped over a kid's pair of shoes. <laughs> Sunday on Sunday, we're shouting about the mountains. Amen. But tripping over a pair of shoes, tripping over the electric bill, tripping over a relationship or this or that, or how do we connect the dots on the other days of the week? <laughs> now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to. This is how we're going to connect the dots for the other parts of the week, according to the power that works in us, according to the power that works in us. So this makes the scripture individual. See, religion wants to make everything all up to God. Whatever happens is because God wanted it. It's the will of God for you. If it happened, it must have been the will of God. If it doesn't happen, it's the will of God. Everything's all up to God. But in the word, if you, if you make this Bible alive to you, you'll realize not everything is up to God. God's design is that we all work together with him. He wants a relationship with you. Amen. He wants to do, he wants to do life with you. Amen. He doesn't want just one day. He wants every day. And so he, he puts out, he says, here's what I'll do. If you'll do this, we'll do it together. And things will be exactly what you want because I want to be in your life. I don't want to just tell you what to do. I want to be there with you in it. So he said, according to the power that works in us, it's kind of like the, the electric company, for example, the power that comes to you, right? If there's something that's not working in your house, appliance that's not working or an outlet that's not working, maybe a bad breaker or something like that. It's not the electric company's responsibility to fix it. 
it, they don't get it to your house. But once it gets to your house, now it's your responsibility to take care of it and to maintain it. Amen. We had some issues in our house, but the electric company was not calling us to make sure we we're all right. You know, they're not saying, you know, how's everything in the laundry room? Everything okay there? Well, I'm having an issue, really. I think I'm really glad you called. I've been needing help. We want other people to call us. Are you doing all right? Everything okay? Is it... But it's our responsibility. So according to the power that works in us, then will God be able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think? So how do we fix the power that's in us? How do we make sure it's working? How do we make sure it's flowing? Could just be short-circuiting somewhere. It could just be not making a, a proper connection. Once the proper connection is made, the power flows. There is no trouble with the power source. Amen. But I will tell you this. We often disconnect. We often short circuit the power or disconnect from the power. It's not the power's problem. Amen. So let's back up a few verses. Let's start looking at, at verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You see, first of all, God's interested in what's on the inside of you. Because that's where everything else comes out. Amen. Proverbs says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That's how God lights up everything in your heart, in your spirit, because God is a spirit. So we communicate spirit to spirit. Amen. So it's not just listening to a message that changes you. It's receiving it in your heart. So we prayed that you be strengthened on the inside. Amen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded, everybody say rooted and grounded. <laughs> rooted and grounded means there's some stability. You don't have to be up and down. You don't have to be easily moved. You can be stable. Amen. We were in um, Gulfport, Mississippi a few years ago on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, it hit there. And um, where we were staying was right across the street from the beach, from the Gulf of Mexico. And there were just slabs where buildings had been from that hurricane. Still hadn't been built. It was on like the five-year anniversary. And the hotel we were staying at had, been, had to be completely renovated because they even showed pictures and video of when the hurricane, when it came, made landfall, the uh, lobby of the hotel, for example, like where the, the doorway is there and where the opening is on the doorway, the water had come in that far in the lobby of the hotel. Cars crashed through the lobby of the hotel and water was all the way up there and they were across the street from the beach. So, I mean, just devastation. So we're in that area, visiting around in that area. And we went to this, this famous old, old, old restaurant, had a nice little courtyard in it. Uh, old South thing in Mississippi. And there was in that courtyard, 
uh, was it 2,000 year old? 2,000 year old oak tree standing. <laughs> Roots. Roots. That hurricane was not its first storm. Amen. It had weathered storms for 2,000 years, but it was rooted. So he said that you would be rooted and grounded in love. What will that do for your life when the storms come? Everything else gets knocked out around you. Other people get knocked out around you. If you're rooted and grounded in love and God is love. Amen. Not just the subject. We're not just being rooted and grounded in our knowledge of a subject, but rooted and grounded in him who is love. Amen. We'll stand. But he said, rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. He said he wants us to know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. That means uh, how far it goes, how deep it goes. You don't find that just on the surface. You don't find that just on Sunday mornings. You don't find the extent of something unless you spend time in it. Amen. You don't find how far something will go unless you go there. <laughs> Amen. Years ago, we bought um, uh, the house where we are now, the pre our present property. We have 13 acres of woods in Alabama. And um, but when we got these these uh, uh, this property, it was just woods, really, really dense woods. And so as soon as we closed on our property and we got the keys to our home, I walked it. I, I went for every little pink flag, you know. Marking the boundaries of our property. I want to see how far I could go. Because <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> I can't promise what's on the other side of mine. But I know how far I can go. So we know the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of his love. We, we, we experience him. Too many times people think, if I go this far, he probably won't be there. And so we think that maybe God will stop short of where we really need him to be. And our confidence drops. And the Bible says this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then what? We know we have the petitions we desire of him. How many of us are that confident? That when we come to him, we know we've got it. Or do we question sometimes? Well, maybe this time, maybe I didn't do something. Maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't dot all the I's. Maybe I didn't cross all the T's. Listen, God's rules, if I can say it this way, rules laws really are spiritual laws not laws like like the government makes laws spiritual laws like natural laws natural laws of gravity for example it it happens whether you believe it or not isn't that right 
Gravity happens for everybody. You don't have to be a believer for gravity to work for you, right? You've got other natural laws that are, you know, that just happen, that have been proven. This is the way it is, right? Well, there are spiritual laws that are the same way. God has put spiritual laws in motion. One of those things is the confession, your words. Jesus said, you'll have what you say. That's a spiritual law. It's, you don't even have to believe it for it to work. Because he said this, don't doubt. He didn't say, try to believe, try to believe, try to believe your words come to pass. Try to believe your words come to pass. You just got to believe your words. He said, don't doubt. They come to pass. Don't doubt it. Amen. So, so where these spiritual laws are, are in place, Jesus, Jesus said this in, in John's gospel, the 15th chapter, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That's a spiritual law. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Amen. So the Holy Spirit just kind of spoke this up to me the other day. And boy, I tell you, I just got, I just got thrilled about it. Just got thrilled. Don't you love it when you get thrilled when he talks to you? And he said, you know, I, the things that I've put in my word, the spiritual laws, this is basically what he said to me. The spiritual laws that are in my word are not to count you out. They're to give you confidence. See, we think, well, I didn't do this. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, oh, I, his, if his word abides, uh, 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 what do I have to do? Maybe I didn't do everything. When in actuality, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, I'm telling you, if you do that, this is why it works. <laughs> this is so you'll know it works. <laughs> Does that make sense to anybody? I don't know that I'm saying it exactly the way I, I got it in here. <laughs> but so if we do our part, it ought to give us confidence. Instead of thinking, maybe I didn't do my part, you ought to go, no. That gives me confidence. This is why God said, do this, so that I would know that I have the petitions I desire of him. Amen. But now the devil will come and say, you didn't do, you didn't do, you didn't do, you didn't do, to rob you of your confidence. Amen. And he'll make you look at yourself all the time instead of looking at God. So he said to know the length, the breadth, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And he goes on to say, then you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Would that change anything? That would change everything. To be filled with all the fullness of God. But again, we count ourselves out too many times and we think, I couldn't be filled with all, well, a pastor could be filled with all the fullness of God. People, other people I respect, they're filled with all the fullness of God, but I'm different, you see. I've got issues. Look with me, look with me, I'm in the right room. Look with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Notice he said that there is a love that passes knowledge. And when you know this love that passes knowledge, he said, you'll be filled, you'll be filled 
You will be filled. When you know the love that passes knowledge, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. And then verse 20 starts with now. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we have. When? After you're filled with all the fullness of God because you know the love that passes knowledge. This ought to be exciting. If I know the love of God, I can be filled with all the fullness of God. And God will be able then to do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think. You see, if I don't know the love of God, I won't believe he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think for me. It's a confidence issue. I said it's a confidence issue. We, we tend to think somebody else is more spiritual. Somebody else is more qualified than us. And so we start looking at other people. And I'll show you why we look at other people to measure our own spirituality. Look here, Matthew chapter 22. Jesus is with the, the doctors of the law, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says this, uh, it says this in, in verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. One of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Everybody say in the law. law. We got a lawyer asking a law question. (laughs) We don't have time for that. (laughs) Verse 37. So Jesus is going to answer the law question. All right. We're still talking about the law. Jesus said this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he says this, the entire Old Testament, that's the law and the prophets. The entire Old Testament hangs on these two things. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Does this sound familiar to anybody? So this cannot be the love that passes knowledge. Isn't that right? This is the love we already know. In fact, this is the love that the only love a lot of people know. Love your neighbor as yourself. But there's a big flaw in that. If I'm supposed to love you the way I love me, what if, hypothetical, What if I don't love me very much? If I don't love me very much, you're in trouble. Isn't that right? This is why we get critical and judgmental of other people because we're critical and judgmental of ourselves. And all we will uh, relate to with other people is how we relate to ourselves. If this is the only love we know, If I'm critical of myself, I will be as critical of you. Because after all, I know me. Right? And so this is why also why we also compare ourselves spiritually to other people. We say they're probably more qualified or they're more spiritual because we're looking at ourselves. And we're thinking they're probably more than me or less than me. And all we are measuring stick is me. 
That's pretty sad. <laughs> it's pretty sad. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the world knows that. Don't they? Because don't they throw it at you? You're supposed to love me. That's the world's answer to Christians. You're supposed to love me. But what does real love look like? What does real love look like? You know, I mean, we, we, we kind of live by baseball rules, <laughs> don't we? You do that to me one time. <laughs> you just try it again. Two strikes. <laughs> one more time. And what happens? You are out of my life. <laughs> but Jesus, when the disciples said, how many times do we have to forgive people? They wanted a number. <laughs> How far do we really have to go? Because we're not going above that. No, sir. You tell me the limit. That's as far as I'm going with anybody. <laughs> that's human nature. But Jesus, 70 times, seven. And we're like, wow, that's a lot in a lifetime. He went, mm-mm, a day. A day. Listen, I've never had to forgive anybody that many times in one day. And I've been married 31 years. But I'm boom. Now, our life is sweet. It's sweet. I don't think I've had to forgive him that many times in 31 years. Honestly. But people get, you know, they get the baseball rule thing going because they don't have much of love for themselves, first of all. This is where it all stems from. If this is the only love we're familiar with, we will assume that nobody can love us. Really, because we don't love ourselves. And I know I'm talking to Christians mostly. Now, we know the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God was so fed up with the world <laughs> that he gave. <laughs> we kind of think that way sometimes. After you're saved, you're like, God was so fed up with the world. No, why, why did he? You don't give because you're fed up. You wouldn't give that your most precious son because you're fed up. You would only give because you are so in love. We either think we've either changed it to God was so fed up or we think he only loves the world. And once you get saved, you're on your own. And we think, well, surely yeah, God loves sinners. They can't help it. They're that way because they're not saved. I have my own issues and I'm saved. So surely God is not pleased with me. God's not happy with me. Therefore, when the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help when, when everything's going great in time of need, in time of need is when he says, come boldly. Are you kidding me? Sunday. We believe in the boldly thing on Sunday. 
come boldly to the throne of grace. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. When I'm in a time of need, I go boldly to God. No, you don't. <laughs> Not everybody. I shouldn't lump everybody in there. There's some really mature people in here. You get it. I know. You get it. That's good. But I have to check up on myself. Am I coming boldly when I need something? Or do, am I coming making excuses for myself? And saying, Lord, I know I've just oh, been so slow to do this. I've been such a, oh. And I look at myself and I'm like, oh. And so we come to the Lord and we go, Lord, I need you to be exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think. But if I were you, I wouldn't bless me either. <laughs> come on. Us faith people. Been around this for a while. We know the rules. We know the formulas. We know how to do it. And then we go, oh. I'm convinced it's because this is the love we're familiar with. Love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, when we come to God, we're looking at us first. We look at us first. We need to come boldly to the throne of grace, but we're looking at, oh, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs> How many of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son? Amen. That story, beautiful, beautiful story of the love of a father. Yeah. The love of a father and the ignorance of his children. Seriously, not just the sinfulness of his children, but the ignorance of his children. They, they, they came to him. The youngest son came, said, dad, you got a lot of stuff. Uh, we have to wait till you die. <laughs> and he said, no, I'll give you your inheritance. So he split the inheritance to both of his sons at the same time. They both got their inheritance. The younger one left, went off and did whatever he wanted to do because human nature is human nature. Sometimes you want to see how far you can get. And so some people just push the limits, push the boundaries, see, see what, you know, so this guy did. And when he got out there, spent everything, ran out of money. Now he's in a place. Not only is he out of money, now there's a recession and a famine. There's no way to make money. There's no jobs. There's no nothing. He wishes he could eat what the pigs were eating. That's low. So the Bible says he came to himself. And he said to himself, my father's servants have it better than me. The people who work for my dad have a, have a roof over their head, have food in their stomach, have clothes on their back. They just work for my dad. I'll go back there and see if he'll give me a job. It's where a lot of Christians are. They get saved and now they just want to work. I'll just work for it, Lord. I know you can't love me that much. I'll just work. And they try to work off the gift of righteousness. Listen, good works are awesome. Amen. But they don't get you to heaven. But the gift of righteousness. Uh, 
doesn't give you any rewards here on the earth. <laughs> what you do gives you the rewards here on the earth. So our, what we do for the Lord is what really rewards us here. He said, if you do these things, you'll have long life. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be blessed. It won't get you to heaven. It'll just get you blessed here. Either one can't substitute for the other one. The gift of righteousness can't substitute for good works here. Good works can't substitute for the gift of righteousness. But we think we got to work for everything. When really working should be a response to his goodness. A response, a thankful heart. Amen. If you love your father, you'll serve him. Amen. You don't serve him to get him to love you. You serve him because he loves you. You honor. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this, this young man says, I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to say, dad, I sinned against you. I sinned against God. I'm not worthy to be called your, your child anymore. And uh, if you just give me a job, I'll have a roof over my head. I'll have clothes on my back. I'll have food in my stomach. So he set on his way to his house. And his father, the Bible says his father saw him from a long way off. He's watching. Looks, looks like, could that be my son? It, it walks like him. It looks that is him. He walked a little bit more. He thought, well, I'll meet him halfway. Did he? No, he didn't. The Bible says he ran to him. Ran to him. Didn't wait for him to come. Didn't wait for him to knock on the door ran to meet him. And then King James says, fell on his neck, tackled him. So now he tackled him, fell on his neck. And then what did he do? Kick him, punch him, yell at him, hugged him, kissed him. Oh, you're home, you're home, you're home. And his son said, Dad, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be, he, the, the speech he re rehearsed, I'm not worthy to be called your son. If you just give me a job. And his dad's going, oh, you're home, you're home. I can only imagine that his dad, he's hugging him and he's realizing, son, what happened to you? You're so, you're so thin. You've not been eating. What happened? What happened to you? Where's your shoes? Where's your coat? Somebody get him a coat. Bring him some shoes. Kill that fatted calf. My son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. He's home. That's the father. That's the father, nothing, the Bible says, will separate us from his love. Nothing. We think our little issues, our little petty things that we hold against ourselves are keeping God from reaching down to us or, or helping us. And we need him to be exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And we believe it on Sunday. But we don't realize that if we would just look at him, he's looking for us. Yeah. 
Because he has never taken his eyes off of us. He's just waiting. He doesn't care where you've been. Only matters what direction you're moving in. Are you looking at him? He's just saying he, he never takes his eyes off of you. See, we look away when we've missed it. Adam and Eve hid when they missed it. Other people run and hide when they've missed it. But God, he never takes his eyes off of you. He doesn't turn his back. The Bible says he turned his back on sin one time, once. One time he looked away. And it was when his son carried everything that you and I have ever done or will ever do. He carried it on himself and God had to turn his back when Jesus became sin. But Isaiah says he turned his head for a moment. But now his eyes are on you. And if he, he says, if you'll just look at me, I can help you. Because real love doesn't look the other way. Real love doesn't turn its back on you. Real love looks right at you in the middle of your business. It says, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm here. Just look at me. The Bible, that's why the Bible says if we miss it, we'll just confess. He's faithful and just. He doesn't take it on a case-by-case basis. Mm, we'll have to talk about this one. Just confess. God, I missed it. I know. I'm so glad you talked to me. Because it's wiped out. There's nothing between us. I'm glad you told me. I'm glad you got it out. Because if you keep it inside, it will eat you alive. Just get it out. Just talk to me. If we confess our sin, it, it's, it's our way of just maintaining our eye contact with him. Confession, that's our means where he says, just confess it, meaning look at me in the face because I'm always looking at you. I've never looked away. Just look at me. Just, just say it and know so you can see my face. And know how much I care. And that this is not a deal breaker for me. This is not a deal breaker. Just talk to me. Too many of us are, have been the prodigal son. Not from any major blatant sin just an attitude of not knowing how much he loves us. The Bible says this in 1 John, we have known and believed 
the love that God has for us. Look with me to, to John's Gospel, the 13th chapter. We've got to see this love that passes knowledge. The love that passes knowledge really seems too good to be true. That's why it passes knowledge. It, your brain can't go there. But he prayed that we would be able to comprehend it. To know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of his love. Here in John chapter 13, verse 34, notice what Jesus said. Jesus said these words. A new commandment. Everybody say new. new. This is the new one. The old one. We read in Matthew chapter 22, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment, look what he says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now it sounds similar because we're still supposed to love one another. You never get away from that. Amen. Why? It's a family. Praise God. But notice he said, Love one another as I have loved you. There's a big word missing that's different from the old and the new. The old one says, love your neighbor as yourself. This one says, love as I have loved you. The word self is gone. It's gone. Why is that such great news? I don't love you the way I love me now. Good news for you. I love you the way I've been loved. Takes judgment out. Takes criticism out. I've got nothing on you. I've been loved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now take this one more step. Now when we approach God. If this is the love now that we're comprehending, how much he loves us, now when we go to God, we look at him first instead of ourselves first. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, or some say, here's the rub. To be able to go to God without looking at you. dare you to try it to go to God without looking at you look right in the face of glory <laughs> boldly in the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help looking right into the face of God without looking at your issues first because he first loved us hallelujah first loved us now when we go to god we can go boldly it's a challenge because you're gonna you're that those little voices the enemy will still try to pick at you and still try to say yeah but you yeah but you but i'm not going on the basis of me i've been loved people will say you mean i can do anything and God will still love me? Yep. <laughs> but let me ask you this question. Why are you asking that question? 
kind of like the disciples saying, how many times do we have to forgive people? How far can I go, Lord? Why do you want to know how far you can go? If you'll go back to Ephesians chapter 3 and know how far the love goes, you won't be asking how far can I go. You'll be saying, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He loves you today. He'll love you Monday. And Thursday and Friday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Saturday and in August and in September and December. Not just today. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you for your love. So grateful for your love and your mercy. You loved us so much. You sent your only son to take our place. Us who didn't deserve anything. But you loved us so much. You sent Jesus. And you said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, rescued, loved. And that it's the only way to be saved. With heads bowed, please, and eyes still closed. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you don't already know Jesus, this Jesus, this love that we're talking about today, it's supernatural. It's not normal human love. This is something that he said it goes beyond our knowledge. But he gives you an opportunity to receive it. And it's up to each one of us to receive that love. That's why he says we'll know it and believe it I'll give you an opportunity today if you don't already know Jesus if you've never made him your Lord it's your decision and your responsibility to make a decision If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to change you because the Bible says when you receive him you become new if you've never done that but you'd like to today I want to invite you to slip up your hand I'm going to pray for you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So if you'd slip up your hand so I can see it, I'll know who I'm praying for today. Anybody here, you've never made Jesus your Lord, but you'd like to today. There's a hand. Amen. Anybody else? Don't miss out today. Oh, it's a brand new day. It's a brand new day. Anybody else? All heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. We're going to pray in just a moment. We're all going to pray together and this life will be changed today. But I want to give you another invitation today. There's a lot of Christians in here. You've already made Jesus the Lord of your life, but this message was for you. To receive his love fresh and new. Some of you need to forgive yourself today because he's already forgiven you. You've already told him about it but you need to forgive yourself. I'm going to pray for you today too. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I'm not going to ask anybody to stand, but you know you've got to, you're letting the love of God wash you today as well. Amen. Hands all over. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now we're still in this attitude of prayer. Let's all pray this. 
Just say this after me. Let your heart agree with it. And this one individual who's raised her hand to receive Jesus for the first time, miracles taking place today for you. But then in all of our lives, the same love of God is going to change us today. Hallelujah. Dear God, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to take my place, to pay the penalty for every sin. Thank you, God. I believe that you sent Jesus and that he died and he rose again. I believe that. And now I call on Jesus to be my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart. Change me. Make me new today. I'll never be the same again. And now, God, I don't just call you God. I call you Father. Because now I'm your very own child. I'm in the family. Thank you for taking me in washing me clean making me new in Jesus name Amen